Welcome back to the Long Distance Work Life, where we help you lead, work, and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I'm Marissa Eikenberry, a fellow remote worker, and joining me is my co-host and remote work expert, Wayne Tremell. Hi, Wayne. Hi, that's me, and also a remote worker, as it turns out. <laughs> that is also true. It's what part of what makes you an expert. So today, we are talking about more pet peeves, and... Thank, first of all, thank you for to so many of you who've been sending us these. We've had so much fun doing them over the last several months. And I love listening to people whine. That makes me so happy. And the funny part is some of our listeners have said they enjoy hearing you rant about things. So it's a perfect match, right? I, it's, a good, it's a good thing. Right? Tell me what you want me to rant about. Bring it. <laughs> well, today we're going to rant about onboarding and specifically about remote onboarding. So I heard from Katrina on Facebook about onboarding as a fully remote worker into an existing fully remote team is rough. She did it before COVID, before it was fashionable, and it took four to six weeks before she felt like she didn't just take up space. She's also had two peers and one supervisor who were all onboarded during COVID that had a tough time with it and all have since left. And three direct reports onboarded as a mostly remote experience, but they had complicated processes for getting access to te technology and things of that nature. So far, all three direct reports are still here, but as a team, we have to and do work very, very hard to build cohesion and rapport. And we actually had somebody else, Rachel, also on Facebook, who had said that onboarding new team members was very tricky for them, and it was hard to form new and genuine connections. So there are people that are having issues onboarding remotely. So, Well, they are, and... I am going to be that guy again and remind people that this is not just, gee, it's really hard and gosh, I'd have liked to have gotten it. There is a business cost here. If people do not feel within the first five days a sense of belonging, they are statistically more likely to leave. And remote workers, as we have talked about many times on this show, have no barriers to leaving. Right. Yeah. They, they can start the next day in a completely different job. They just have to literally the log only onto thing, their laptop. Literally the only thing they need to do is get a new password. Yeah. So this is a business problem. It's not just a, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to feel more connected to my people problem? It's a legit business problem. And I think the experience, I mean, if it takes 40 days, to become onboarded. And by onboarded, I'm going to guess they mean doing the productive work for which you were hired. Yeah. Feeling like they belong there. They're not <clears throat> just here. And probably two parts, right? Feeling like they belong and actually doing the work that you were hired to do. Right. Right. That you're not just doing busy work, that you're not just, I mean, one of the things that makes me crazy about traditional onboarding and this is true of in-person as well, is why do we spend the first three days that we are hired filling out paperwork? That's fair. Right? I have to fill out the paperwork so that by the end of the week, hopefully I have my computer and my login access and all of that stuff. Why isn't that waiting for me day one? Yeah. Or even potentially filled out before then if you're able well, to. Well, this is what I'm saying is you know, I know that I start work Monday. How about I get you the paperwork before then? Yeah. And I know that there are issues if I'm filling out paperwork, I'm technically working and I should be paid. And there's stuff, but come on. 
Yeah. The fact that we spend so much of the onboarding process and when we're in the office and we're dealing with uh, people and we're sitting in the cube farm and we're kind of uh, kibitzing with people and meeting people and putting faces to names, it's not entirely wasted time. Right. Uh, but then how do you do that? Yeah. So right? how do you replicate that experience when you aren't in the office? Right. And I think that is, it's an important question. Uh, I think it depends on where you are relative to the office, right? If you can go in for a couple of days, your first couple of days, I think that is an optimum experience. Absolutely. If you are in Guam. You're not going to be able to do that as easily. You're not going to be able to do that in a way that makes sense. So how do you do Now, we have... And if you have heard us talk about this, forgive me, uh, dear listener, uh, but this is a best practice that we do that I think is really, really critical. Mm -hmm. uh, when somebody joins our organization, their first assignment, this is an assignment, this is stuff they are expected to do day one, two, three, is to set up a half hour webcam conversation with every member of the team, whether they're going to work with that person all the time or not. Right. They may very rarely work with Lisa mm -hmm. in payables or Angie behind the scenes, but a half hour webcam conversation. And it starts with what's your job? What do you do here? Yeah. Right. But it turns into where'd you go to school and do you have kids and what's on that shelf behind you? And, you know, and it's meant to not be mostly work. I mean, yeah, you're going to talk a little bit about that, but it's really m meant to be. I'm trying to get to know you as a person. I'm trying to find commonalities so that way we can build rapport. And these conversations should happen spontaneously if you are in the office with people. Now, to be fair, they honestly don't because right. a lot of us are introverts or we don't want to bother somebody and we're not going to schedule time with somebody at the next desk to say, give me a half hour and let me pick your brain. Right. Right. Uh, but that's a best practice because it doesn't matter where those people are. You're not just hanging out in the lunchroom with the people in the office. Right. So that is a very, and it needs to happen right away. Like the first couple of days, mm -hmm. right? First of all, what else are you doing anyway? You, <laughs> you haven't really been trained to do anything yet, but make that useful time. Uh, the other thing that people report with onboarding remotely is there's a lot of time the man, I meet with my manager, you know, the manager does their best to have one-on-ones and give them lots of time and, and stuff, but they're not always available. They are doing other things and helping other employees and whatever. And so the amount of wasted time. Right those first few days is really frustrating to people. They want to do work. They don't want to, well, I had a call with my boss at one and I've got training at three and what do I do in the meantime? So on that same lines, I know that recently we had an episode where we talked a lot about asynchronous video and um, we talked about that in the context of meetings, but you know, to your point about this whole scheduling time and all that, would you recommend asynchronous video onboarding, at least for part of the process? 
I think where it makes sense, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, we a lot of organizations have training, right? E-learning and stuff. It doesn't have to be that formal. So it's great when you can do that, right? When you have all the schmancy e-learning and... And your IT department has time to build it for you. <laughs> and your IT department has time to build that for you and all that stuff. Uh, I think that short asynchronous messages, uh, you know, just to start the day. Hey, Marissa, today I want you doing this, right? And it's not an email. It's just, hey, how you doing? Hope you had a great night. Listen, today we're going to work on this. I want you to contact Alice this morning, and I want you to talk to so-and-so this afternoon and talk to them about this function or get them to show you how they do X. That all makes sense. It's informal. It's casual. It's useful, right? It's You're still getting some degree of face and voice time with the person, and it's personalized. Right. Yeah, it's way better than just a Slack message. And, and I think if we think about the way we've traditionally onboarded, it doesn't really work anyway. I mean, think about the way we used to start jobs, especially at big companies. It's your first day, and so you go to boot camp. And you and eight other new hires fly to wherever the headquarters is, and you're in class all day, and then you go out for dinner at night, and you do that lather, rinse, repeat, and it's at least four days and sometimes two weeks. And the amount that you remember is zero. Yeah, I was. I will admit, I've never had that experience. <laughs> and now and I'm very thankful that I have not. <laughs> if you are, if you join an organization as a new salesperson, uh, especially straight out of school or, mm -hmm. or new in your career, odds are that you have had to go to boot camp. And the fact of the matter is the human brain doesn't absorb information that way. Right. Yes, you socialize, right? First of, of all, you, you uh, create a cohort with your fellow learners. And those relationships can very often last throughout your time at the company. Right. And those are very important. It, there are no atheists in foxholes and, you know, you bond in times of extreme stress. Right. But in terms of two weeks of constant training, 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 here's your handbook, turn to page eight, you actually retain very little of it. Mm -hmm. And at least in the old days, you used to get a binder and you could go back and refer to the document right. in the binder and find, how do I do that again? We don't get binders anymore. Okay. So speaking we get of access that. access to online. Yeah. So I, I know that, like you said, we don't, we don't do the binder thing anymore, but I know that there are some companies that they've created online employee handbooks or uh, user guides or whatever you want to call it. And they are usually impossible to navigate. Okay. The information, this is where AI, he says, referring to an earlier <laughs> conversation that we had, this is where I, AI becomes helpful. That makes sense. Because at least in a binder, I can lick my finger and start flipping pages to find what I need. Okay. Online, if I don't know exactly what that thing is called, I am scrolling forever. Whereas if the AI can say, hey, uh, show me how to do X, boom, there it is. And 
you're good. So if you're going to have online onboarding, if you're going to have employee handbooks electronically, they need to be searchable and they need to make some sort of logical sense. And that makes sense. I know that there are some companies they use Notion for this. Some of them create a wiki um, or things like that. So, I mean, even one most- can be incredibly, yeah. incredibly helpful. But the other thing is, it's just this two weeks of whatever. And there's this lovely thing that I've talked about for years, but I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show, which is the Herrera limit. Okay. Which is, the term is a big rabbit hole, literally, because it's stolen from the book Watership Down. But basically, the Herrera limit is how much you can take into your brain before it's full. Right. And you can't, and and you know, if you've ever been to a training class, this is usually about 11 o'clock on day one, you have absorbed all the stuff you can absorb. And it's not that you don't want to be a good soldier and you don't want to learn it. You just don't get a chance to use it and process it and move it from short-term memory to long-term memory to make room for more stuff let alone a week or two weeks of this nonsense. Yeah, you'll remember the first things you learned and the last things you learned, and you won't remember a lot of the (laughs) in-between. Exactly right. And so one of the things that we are learning about onboarding is, yes, some things are best done in the office. Well, if you're going to be in a hybrid environment, be prepared to spend some time in the office. You know, even if you're mostly going to be working from home, suck it up, take a day, two days, do what you need to do. But a lot of it can be learned in chunks and it can be learned in chunks from different sources. Traditionally at onboarding, Marissa's been here forever. I'm going to bolt the new person to Marissa and she's going to follow her around like a little duckling and imprint on her. And that's how she's going to learn. And she's going to learn all of Marissa's good habits and she's going to pick up all of Marissa's bad habits. And Marissa's not going to get a darn thing done. Right. (laughs) While this is going on. But helpful for knowing where the bathroom is and who's responsible for the coffee and, you know. And having a buddy in the office. Like, that's important, And having somebody that you're assigned to. Online virtual team collaboration and onboarding should be the same, but you can pick different people for different functions so that you're not... Marissa isn't the only human in the world that this person knows. Right. Right. Alice is our resident excerpt, expert on Excel. And Bob has been here a really long time. And you know what? I want you to take an hour with Bob and just get the history of the company. Mm-hmm. Pick up what, you know, what did he know? What does he know about the culture? That seems like a strange thing to assign. It's the kind of thing that we think happens organically in person. And it does not. (laughs) But it does not. And if you wait for it to happen organically, you know, it's not going to uh, happen as quickly or perhaps as well. So going along the same lines of, you know, there's a point where there's too much information for us to grasp. And, you know, maybe employee handbooks aren't the right thing or user guides or... I know for us, and I'm sure this is true for many companies, you know, we have acronyms and initialisms and we have these words that nobody uses except for us. Like, how do you, how do you onboard somebody into that? How do you help them find that? I know that we as a company, we, we keep realizing we've had two people who onboarded two years ago now and, you know, they've been with us and everything's great. And every now and then they ask a question that 
for us, we think, well, duh, it's X, Y, Z. And then we have to remember they don't know this or they never asked. So it never came up. Again, AI would be a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> right? They're on a meeting and we're all talking about the LDL series and blah, blah, blah. And they can go on and go, what in the name of everything that's holy is the LDL series? Right. And they can get the answer without looking like idiots. Okay. Right. Fair. This is this is where it, now. So some of this is information gathering, right? But the other thing is, are there tasks that they can and should be doing that they can't do their entire job, but they can start to go through their lead list. They can start to compile a list of questions. There are things that they can do so that as soon as possible, they are doing some valuable work and adding value to the team. Well, and it sounds like too, there's there's a responsibility for the people who have been working there for a while to inform the new people about things. And there's a responsibility of the new person to ask questions too. Now, granted, I realize if they can't ask what they don't know, but there's also stuff right. that they can ask. But there is, it's funny when you talk about uh, company culture and uh, company handbooks and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. There's explicit knowledge and there's tacit knowledge. Okay. Explicit knowledge is stuff that's on the page. If you want to know how to do X, go to this website, turn to this page. There is a process for this. Right. If I'm working and I have a question, well, everybody knows Alice is the Excel wizard. Where does it say that? Where does it say if I have an Excel yeah. question, I have to go to Alice? Because I'm going to Marissa because she's the only person I know. And Marissa is completely useless when it comes to Excel. Right. Well, which also means that I need to be really good about saying I'm not the Excel expert. Alice is. <laughs> exactly right. So one of the things that's helpful is if you have people with specific knowledge or skill sets, get them involved early particularly if they were are remote from each other, because I might be unwilling to reach out to Marissa with a question. But if that's Marissa's job, right. and Marissa knows that I am. I am the keeper of the email. The you question, have to talk to me at some point. <laughs> right. Two things are going to happen. One is that I feel less resistance to reaching out to Marissa because I know that. And the mm -hmm. other thing is Marissa might be a little more proactive about checking in with me about how I'm doing with that thing. Because that's the piece of knowledge that Marissa is responsible for. Right. 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 And this all sounds very complicated, but it really is critical to getting people on board. I mean, we talk about, well, people need to be comfortable and, and how, do, well, how do they do that? Exposure to the people on their team, getting to know them, socially developing trust very quickly, doing meaningful work and demonstrating that you can do meaningful work, right? Maybe what this person needs is to be invited to a couple of meetings that they are completely unqualified to be in. That's fair. But they might have an idea, right? Hey, at my old company, we did this. And they'll hear the acronyms flying around and they'll hear how we work together. So parceling out their day and figuring out when they do actual work, when can other people be involved in this so that we are creating the social networks and the bonds and the relationships? And then what useless work can we eliminate? Right. 
right? So they're not spending five days filling out forms before they even talk to another human being. That will go a long way to making the onboarding process more pleasant, more useful, and more consistent with the way we're working now. That totally makes sense. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, I know that we could probably continue to talk about this for much longer than this. But I want to thank Katrina and Rachel for sending in your suggestion about talking about onboarding, because I think this was a really important conversation. And I'm sure this is not the only time that we're going to talk about onboarding in the future. And thank you so much for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. For show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure to visit longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. While you're there, be sure to like and review. This helps us know what you love about our show. (laughs) Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn with the links in our show notes and let us know you listened to this episode or suggest a topic for Wayne and I to tackle in a future episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to learn more about remote teams, order Wayne and Kevin Ikeberry's new book, The Long Distance Team. You can learn more about the book at longdistanceteambook.com. Thanks for joining us. And as Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down.